0: Will you help us welcome our internet audience? We're so glad you're tuning in with us. Thanks for, for checking things out. We're glad everybody's here. You guys can grab a seat. It's so good to be here on a midweek at Meadowbrook service. My name is Sean. In case you haven't had the chance to meet me or haven't had the chance to meet you yet, I get the privilege and the honor working with one of the best teams here at our church. It's our community life team. Um, that's part of myself, Pastor Haran, Bert Thomas, Susan. Uh, we call her the Suze. Uh, she's the only one on our team that has her own hashtag, if, in, case you, in case you cared. She actually was leading, leading us in worship tonight. Uh, and then we have Wanda Menser and Jamie Cortez. Uh, it's a great team. And what we get to do is we get to uh, help lead and organize and run all of the church events that we do here. And then uh, we get to um, do all of our church small groups. And really the Community Life title really says that. It's, it's we want to have community. We want to have life here at the church and really outside the church. And so I'm blessed to be a part of that. I'm honored to be a part of that. And man, you guys have been jumping on board with our small groups over these last couple of years. We really have gone off with a bang. So many of you guys have been involved with leadership. So many of you guys have been involved just as members. And just kind of curious, how many of you guys have been involved over the last couple of years, either as a leader or as a member of one of our church small groups? Just raise your hand. Man, what a crew. That's awesome. Give yourselves a round of applause. That's huge. Thank you guys so much for doing that. We believe in small groups here because we're, we're trying to get people out of rows into circles. Not to just sit in a seat, but to build a relationship with somebody. And I'm going to talk about part of that uh, in tonight's message. But um, as you guys know, we've had this theme and this series theme called Believe. And Pastor Tim has done an amazing job, hasn't he? Aren't you thankful for our pastors, Pastor Tim and Alicia? So thankful for them. Uh, and he's just done a, a great job unpacking some of the important things that we need to believe as Christians, and over the last couple of weeks, he's been digging into the teachings of Jesus. How many of you guys know that we should be following the teachings of Jesus? He's our master. We should be trying to finding out uh, what he wants us to do. And so we've been digging into the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five and six. And uh, he asked me tonight to speak on Matthew seven. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew seven. And before we get there, let me kind of unpack the idea, like the boiled down version. The Just if I was to put it on the front of a t-shirt, just a couple words on the front of a t-shirt, it would be this. To love God and to love others. That's really what we want to focus on tonight. The idea of loving God and loving others. So let's kick this off tonight by just me asking you a a simple question um, right before we jump into Matthew chapter 7. How many of you guys have ever felt judged before? you've ever felt judged, you're like, should I raise my hand or not? I don't know what I, if I should do that. you've ever felt judged, or maybe you're here tonight and you would be honest enough and brave enough to say, I've been the one that has judged someone else. I mean, would you be brave enough tonight? That, that would really be all of us. And really, if we were to think about it, I mean, majority of us, unless you're, you know, really, really special and I'd love to meet you afterwards, we probably both fall into that same cat. We, both, we fall in, into both those categories where we have been judged by others. And we've been the ones that have judged others. And so we're going to be digging into that idea a little bit tonight. And we're going to be just really challenging ourselves. This is not a message that's going to condemn us. I believe it's a message that's going to help challenge us. It's going to sharpen us. It's going to help us move from where we are to where God wants us to be. And so we're really going to be able to look at this tonight. And to do that, we're going to kick things off right here in Matthew chapter 7. Some powerful way to start here. It says this in verse 1 and 2. It's the New Living Translation. It says this, do not judge others. Pretty simple. And you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So, you know, Jesus, he's laying out as clear as he possibly can. This is letters in in red. This is from Jesus. He's saying, hey, I don't want you to judge. If you do happen to judge others, you will be judged the way that you judged others. And so he's kind of putting it out there for us. And I don't really believe, and and what I've read, I don't really think Jesus was meaning here in this teaching that, uh, I don't think he was really talking about the judgment that would take place in a courtroom. I don't really think he's maybe even talking about judgment that would take place maybe in uh, judging sin, or maybe even judging false teachers. I believe what Jesus is talking about here is really this idea. It's the hasty, it's the unloving, it's the holier than thou, it's the overly critical, It's the being nitpicky. It's digging and searching for faults of others. It's always suspecting the worst kind of attitude of judging, I think he's really talking about. I think when we could boil things down, I think that's what we would see, is that what was going on at the time, and Jesus here is teaching, and he's teaching men and women and children and his disciples and and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he's teaching all these people these things, and, and he's seeing these things going on. He's seeing people with a holier-than-thou kind of attitude towards other people. And what, what I do love about this passage is this was going on in Jesus' day. Jesus is walking on the earth, and this is going on. And we kind of fast forward to 2014. Can you guys believe it's December? We're in December 2014. Isn't that crazy? Uh, man, 2015 is right around the corner. But here we are at 2014, and this is going on probably even more than it was going on then. We're probably judging more than, than, than even what's going on in Jesus' day. But the Bible is so relatable. The Bible is so full of things that are, are to help us and to encourage us and to uh, shed light for us. That even in Jesus' day, as he's walking on this earth, that today, 2014, this could still be a relatable passage for us. Why? Because this is part of our human nature. It's part of our human nature. Now, that's not your excuse to be like, it's part of my human nature, so I'm going to judge away. That's not, that's not your excuse tonight, okay? Just because it's part of your human nature doesn't mean that you need to uh, stay there. I believe that we are to become more and more like who? Like Christ. We, we're made in his image and his likeness. So we need to become more and more like him. And so it is part of our human nature. And the other thing that's part of our human nature is that we can be very opinionated. That's how I thought that would go over. It would be really quiet. How many of you feel like you're opinionated people? How many of you, the person next to you, you know is opinionated? You're like, yes, he or she is. I got an opinion about that. You're pointing fingers. That's great. You got to go home with these people. So that's up to you. We're, you know, we're, because of human nature, we are very opinionated. We are. We're quick to form an opinion. uh, And we're really quick to put people in a box. And we're really quick to judge people in their current situation. It's true. We're quick to jump to conclusions. Yes. And we can do that just in a blink of an eye. Let me read to you just a couple quotes I found on uh, opinions. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll be humorous to you. Maybe not. Leonardo da Vinci said this, The greatest deception man suffer, men suffer is their own opinions. The greatest deception that men suffer is their own opinions. And I thought this was pretty interesting as well. Don't ever have an opinion about something you haven't prayed about. Never have an opinion about something you haven't prayed about. Now, can I just have a little fun with you guys? This is a quote too. It's not for me, and I'm not looking at anybody. But this one says this: Remember when I asked for your opinion? I'm not looking at anybody. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. And and so we're we're easy, right? Some of you guys will get that later. But it's (laughs) it's easy for us to give opinions, and a lot of times people aren't looking for your opinion. But it's easy for us to give our opinions, and it's easy for us to jump to conclusions. But I would have to ask us tonight that maybe, just maybe, there's more to someone's story than just your opinion. Maybe, just maybe, there's more to someone's story, more than what they're going through, than just what you think or what you, in a second and in a moment's notice, have kind of put in a box of judgment for them. And this will just be an example, a example. There's so many examples maybe we could talk about tonight, but I think we've all kind of either been in this situation— Uh, or we have seen this kind of situation kind of happening. And if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to get a quick drink. I'm I'm just battling. It's not not winning me, but I'm battling. So just give somebody a high five, laugh or something so I can take a drink. That's wonderful. Job well done. So this situation goes like this. This example kind of goes like this. Maybe you're at a grocery store or you're at Walmart, your favorite place to shop, wherever that looks like and uh, Target. I heard someone say Target. So you're at your, your favorite place, and you're shopping, and you're doing your grocery shopping, or your Christmas shopping, or whatever it looks like, and you're walking down aisles, and if you're like me, I go from one side of the store to the other side of the store. You know, some people maybe go randomly, and whatever it looks like, but you're going down your aisles and doing your thing, and then you happen to see this uh, this, this mom, and this mom has three kids with her that are under the age of five, Right? And so you got one baby that's in the cart that's kind of strapped in, you know, in the front part. And then you got two other kids, maybe they're five, maybe they're three years old, and they're kind of just following mom around, right? And so you're noticing this, and you're doing your shopping, your cart's about halfway full. And about halfway through your shopping experience, you see this mom and her three kids, and it is just, it's opened up. Like, things have just gotten crazy. The baby in the cart is screaming her head off, you know, and she doesn't know what to do. And then you have the two other kids, five-year-old and the three-year-old, man, they're running. They're running in front of the mobilized carts people are driving, and they're, like, trying to, like, push people and they're knocking things off shelves It has just gone crazy uh they're they're screaming and the mom doesn't know how to get control of the the kids and you know in that moment's notice we can walk by with our with our cart half full and we can kind of see that and we can instantly judge that mom for the way that she's maybe raising her kids we can instantly kind of judge that mom to say man if, if my kids were here they wouldn't act like that when all reality is they probably would Well, she needs to correct those kids because if if she doesn't correct them, they're going to be a menace to society. Maybe it's just me, but we probably could have those thoughts. And we could instantly form that opinion. That's just an example. Maybe you could think of other examples. But what if there was more to her story? What if there was more to her story that you just don't know about that maybe she was going through? What if she grew up in a dysfunctional family herself? What if she was maybe... Uh, abused by her mom or maybe abused by her dad. Maybe she's a single parent. Maybe, just maybe, the night before, she was called into her manager's office at work and her manager said that she was going to be let go and that she's out of a job. And maybe, just maybe, she was at Walmart in the middle of the day because she wasn't working, because she had $50 in her bank account, and she was at Walmart for three hours trying to use that $50 to the best of her ability to get food for her kids. What if? What's the other part of her story? And I know my family at Meadowbrook, if we knew that side of her story, man, we would be like on the ground playing with the kids, trying to help. They'd be knocking things off the shelf, and we're putting it back on there. Like, we're restacking cans. We're making all that happen. We'd be following her to the checkout counter to pay for her groceries. That's the, I, I know that's our heart. But a lot of times, we allow our opinions in a judgment, putting up somebody in a box just in an instant to cloud what their real story is, and so that's kind of the idea of what we're going to be digging in to tonight. There might be more to the story. I like what what God's view is. God's view is in First Samuel sixteen. It says, "Man looks out the what the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart." And so it's easy for man. It's easy for us to look at the outward appearance. But I love what God does, and he looks at the heart. And this is talking about uh, David, and, and Samuel was looking to anoint the next king. And David's brothers, they, their opinion of him was so small that they didn't even invite him to the brother line of the possible anointing of the king. He, he wasn't even—their opinion of him was so small that they didn't even invite him to that. But man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. All right, so let's jump back over to Matthew chapter 7. Let's dig back into this. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 3, it says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, Help me get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own eye? I like what Pastor Tim says. He says, We tend to judge others by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions we judge others by their actions but we judge ourselves by our intentions i intended to do that so i'm good i had a good thought about it but i judge others by their actions it's kind of what it looks like i'm going to share a scripture with with you that kind of hit me pretty hard and so it's a kind of a get real tonight on wednesday night can we get real tonight on wednesday night is that cool this is, this is kind of, it lays it out pretty good. It's in the message paraphrase, and so it kind of, it kind of really hits us hard here. Uh, but it's in Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 1, Paul's kind of sharing, uh, and, and, and the people at the time, they were more concerned about worship, worshiping the creation instead of the creator. So they were more focused on the worshiping the creation instead of the creator. They were more uh, focused on living immorally and in sin and in more sin and more sin than they were about worshiping God. And in Romans chapter 2, Paul lays it out in verse 1. It says this. Get ready. Are you ready? All right. It says this. But if you think that leaves you high on high ground, or you can point your finger at others, think again. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of ex- escaping Detection of your own crimes and misdemeanors. Kind of lays it out there pretty clear for us. So why do we judge others? Why do we criticize others? Let me give you just two thoughts on this. I believe that sometimes we criticize others. I believe that sometimes we judge others. We form opinions quickly of others. Because we're uncomfortable with anybody who sins differently than we do. Think about that. I think we criticize, I think we judge, I think we form opinions quickly of others because we're uncomfortable with anybody who sins differently than we do. Since their sin is different, I can form an opinion about them because my sin is not that. And so I think we have to understand that the matter for us is not if we sin, the matter is when we sin. Listen, we're all, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We we're, we're all sinners. And so just because it makes you uncomfortable that someone else's sin is different than your sin doesn't mean that we gives us the right to judge that person. The other thought is this. I believe that we often criticize others that are dealing that we're, things that we're, I think we criticize others of the things that we're dealing with ourselves just like that scripture said. And so what are some of those things that we deal with that cause us to criticize others? I think there are things like jealousy. I think things like insecurity. Things like fear, maybe even fear of failure. I think pride has a lot to do with that. Um, I think comparison, and especially in our, in our day and age where we're dealing, when we're living in social media uh, just all that looks like. And so somebody could post a picture of their fun vacation or their clean house, and we can automatically judge them for, you know, for their clean house because my house ain't that clean, you know. Or you didn't get to get that new car. They did. And so you're like, you know, judging them for the, the money that they're spending on this or spending on that. And I think we can instantly try to compare with the Joneses and compare with our neighbors uh, on what they've got going on. But I don't think that's what God would want us to do. I came across this, this quote by Brene Brown. It's very interesting. It says this. If I feel good about my parenting, I have no interest in ju- judging other people's choices. If I feel good about my body, I don't go around making fun of other people's weight or appearance. We're hard on each other because we're using each other as a launching pad out of our own perceived deficiencies. So a lot of times, because of our own deficiencies of what we don't have for ourselves, we can try to judge others. And I think this is saying to us is that sometimes we have to just be okay with who we are. Yeah. I think we have to go be okay with where we are at in, in life. And I think when we can get to that place, when we can be grateful and be content, maybe not satisfied, but to be content with who we are, that maybe, just maybe, our opinions of others won't be formed so quickly or we won't judge others so quickly. So let's let's jump back into Matthew, Matthew chapter seven. Uh, this is the last verse we'll, we'll check out here in Matthew, but it says this again. It lays it out for us pretty clearly. It says, "Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye." What is it really saying to us? Judge yourself. Don't worry about your neighbor. Let your neighbor worry about your neighbor. Your job, your role is to judge yourself. Can you, can you be brave enough to say that with me tonight? Say, judge myself. I know, I, we were all over the map on that one. Okay, ready? All, all together, judge myself. Judge myself. We're, it's real easy for us to judge others, right? But I think sometimes, a lot of times, we need to judge ourselves. So let me give you a few ideas on how we could do that. How do we judge ourselves? First step is this. Look in the mirror. Maybe not for your own physical appearance, or maybe, whatever you want to do, but look in the mirror of God's Word. Maybe something we need to get in God's Word when we feel that we're judging others, when we feel that we have a kind of an a, a easy-to-form opinion kind of state that we're dealing with. Maybe we need to get in God's Word and find out who God says I am, who God's placed value on me, maybe who, the, the value that God's placed on, on others. We need to find out what that looks like. And then maybe, just maybe, we need to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you show me? Would you lead me? Would you challenge me? God, would you speak to my heart and and reveal to me these places in my life that I need to get right so I can be uh, what you want me to be? And I I could love you, yes, but I can also love others. So we need to maybe judge ourselves. Uh, Another way that we can judge ourselves is to ask a friend. Phone a friend. Phone a friend. I think we all have blind spots in our lives. I think we all have spots in our lives that we need someone to really challenge us for. And that's really a cool element of what small groups are all about. Because we could be in a, in, a, in a small group. In here, you can hide it all, right? You're just like, I don't judge nobody, you know, and I, I'm good. Everything's. In here, in this setting, we can hide it. But in a group of, of five to 10 people, we can just be real. We, we can share some things and, and we can keep each other accountable because you might be in that, in that small group and, and uh, whether it be a dream team group or a discipleship group, men's group, women's group, an activity group, you know, whatever it is, the focus on those groups is boiled down for us here at Meadowbrook. They're all about relationship. And through relationship, what happens? Life change. Life change happens. And so we're going to be able to challenge each other. We're going to be able to strengthen each other so that when we see each other uh, judging, when we see each other <clears throat> kind of struggling in that area, that we can, uh, excuse me, another one of those high-five moments. All right, on the count of three, high-five and laughter. Ready? One, two, three, go. This is a good time. All right. So we, we can do that in, in those small groups. We can, we can have that. We can have that connection. And I also believe that when we don't have that relationship, when we're not Out of rows and into circles. I think when we isolate ourselves, when we isolate ourselves, I think it's a lot easier easier for us to judge and have a judgmental heart. And the last thing about a way that we can help judge ourselves is to let Jesus be our standard. Let Jesus be our standard. We go through scripture after scripture after scripture. Jesus investing into the tax collector when everybody else was judging. Jesus investing... Into the woman who was caught in the act of adultery when everybody else was judging. We see Jesus investing in healing the leper. We see Jesus feeding the hungry. We see Jesus healing the sick, healing the blind. We see that's the standard, that's what our Jesus has done for us. That's his example for us. And so I think as Christians, as a child of God, then I need to pick up that standard and I need to live that standard out, not for perfection. Because none of us are perfect, but to strive to be more and more like Christ. So, what is our main goal? What is our t shirt goal, right? To love God and to love others. To love God and to love others. Listen to this from um, <clears throat> Mother Teresa. It says this If you judge people, you have no time to love them. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. It's true. We have no time to love them. So what I want to do with the rest of our time tonight is I want to kind of give us a plan. You know, this is good information. I get it. Pastor Sean, great. Not to judge. I'll try my best not to do that. And, I, you know, that, I'll, I'll work on it. But here's a plan. This is going to help you, and this is going to really challenge us to really have a takeaway. So here's the plan for us. Ready? First one is this. To help us with all this, well, the first thing that we need to do is we need to value people. We need to Value people. Value people. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Be humble. Think of others better than yourself. When we are judging others, really, that's the opposite of humility. We're having a hard time being humble when we're judging others. Just like that story with the mom in in the store We don't know her story. We're we're not really valuing her for just judging her for the experience that she's in right there. She has a story. So tonight, man, I thought I was going to get through a whole night. Pastor Tom said he was going to pray for me. Step up your prayer game, baby. Actually, I told him it, he needed to pray for me because if I wasn't able to minister, he was going to be up. So he, he was probably on his, on his face. No, I'm just joking. Um, if tonight I gave every one of you guys 100 bucks, Pastor Tom gave you 100 bucks tonight, every person in this place. That's, that's not going to happen. I got a I I feeling. It's just hypothetically speaking, if Pastor Tom gave everybody $100, everybody had $100 in their hands. You know, the reality is we don't know where that $100 came from. We don't know where that $100 has been. We don't know if it was used for good or maybe even for bad. We don't know if it was used to give towards the kingdom of God or if it was used to buy drugs. We don't know where that $100 has been. We don't know its location, but it still has value, correct? Right? If you took that $100 and you crumpled it up, you made it into a ball, you threw it on the ground, you stepped on it, maybe you even rub, rubbed some mud on it. You picked it back up on your hands. It still had value, right? We don't, we don't understand maybe, the, it maybe is a kind of a messed up condition, but it still had value. And I think we need to understand that that's, if we can relate that a little bit with the people that we're coming in contact with on an everyday basis. That we don't know their history, we don't even know their location. We don't know their, their condition, but they have value. And so maybe their story or maybe their location of their life or things that they have done or maybe because they do sin differently than you do doesn't mean they're any less valuable than you or than me. God made them in his image and his likeness. So far be it for me to judge the people around me, the people that I would see, people that I would know, people that I wouldn't know, people in your homes, people in your family. People at your job, people in this church. Far be it from us to judge other people that would maybe come around us just because maybe their history or their location of life or their condition. If we knew what God knows about the people around us, our grace level would go up and our judgment level would go down. If we knew what God knew about the people around us, our grace would go up and our judgment would go down. We'd be able to close the gap a little bit. And so I think that's kind of part of that process of searching our heart and asking God to help us. So, the first idea of this plan is to value people. The second part of this plan is to respond and not react. To respond and not react. This is something that I've been kind of working on in my life. It's kind of been a life goal for me um, for the last 10 years. Uh, As soon as I started having kids, I have an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old. My heart was just to be the best dad I could possibly be. And so I really felt like God kind of put this idea in my heart. I don't believe it's original to me. But it's something that I've been trying to make a life goal for me. And it started with my kids that I wanted to respond to my kids and not react to my kids. Because my kids are imperfect. I can already tell you that my kids are going to make mistakes. isn't it? like, that shouldn't be like a newsflash. Like when your child was born, you shouldn't have been like, my child's going to be perfect. Or maybe you were that parent. <laughs> maybe you were, but it's not the case. At least it was for my kids. My kids aren't going to be perfect. They're going to make mistakes. My son at the age of eight is going to throw a baseball through the window. And that, that happened. My daughter at the age of five is going to team up with her brother and cut her hair herself and, and be a disaster. Uh, my daughter is going to be Disrespectful. Uh, she's going, she's, she's, this is going to happen. This is part of life. And I could either choose to respond or to react to those life situations. And as I was working on this with my kids, I began to work on it even in my marriage, that I would respond to my wife and not react to something that she did or didn't do. But I could respond and not react. And even in ministry, even in leadership, even in uh, other family members, That I I strive, and even over the last year it's become even more alive to me, that I want to be a person that responds to situations and doesn't react to situations. When you react to situations, um, you automatically go into defensive mode. We hit defense level on. 100% full max, let's go there, and how fast can we get there? When we react, we, we, we live in defense. When we react, we live in anger. When we react... We live in pride. When we react, we live in judgment. But when we live in response, when we respond to different situations, we can offer help. We can strengthen. We can encourage. And we can even be, bring freedom. So for me, like an example of my kids, I already know they're going to make a mistake. So I should already have a response in my heart that when my son... Uh, does something, he he sins, or he uh, doesn't act the right way, or he's disrespectful, or whatever it is, I should already know how I'm going to respond to him. I shouldn't have to react because it shouldn't be like, a, oh my gosh, that just happened. No, people, listen, this is going to set you free tonight. I hope you can take some of this home into your marriage, into your kids, into your job situation, wherever you are. But people around you, this is a new flash for some of you guys, people around you are going to disappoint you. It's gonna happen. So my question for you is: How are you gonna respond to that person, to that individual, when they do disappoint you? You should already know. There should not be like a, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this really happened. People are gonna. We're human. It's it's part of our human nature. So tonight, you know, if 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 uh, your spouse or your child or coworker or, or whatever, you already know their tendencies. You should already be prepared on how you're going to respond to that situation. My kids, I've taught them to say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. So their first response is when I've asked them to do something is, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. That's their first response. Then they can, they can you know, if they, if they you know, need to ask for this or ask for that, that, that's okay. We can work with that. But they know their first response. A lot of us just need to know our first response. So think of that person right now that you're kind of struggling with and they're kind of getting on your nerves a little bit, and you automatically go into judgmental mode and uh, form your own opinion mode, maybe you need to back up a little bit and say, okay, what should my response be towards that person? What should my response be to my spouse, to my kids, to my mom, to my dad? What should my response be and not live and always live in reactionary mode? Because when we live in reactionary mode, we automatically get defensive towards what's going on. You You can react to their action and form your opinion. Or you can respond to their heart and help bring strength and healing. And I'd rather do the second. So here here are ideas. We can value people. We can choose to respond versus to react. And the third element is this, is that I think sometimes we need to make adjustments. We need to make some adjustments. So we already know there's three kind of people in here tonight. We know the there's people. There's people that are uh, are dealing with or have felt in the past of being judged. We we know that. We know there's people in here that are maybe the ones that have done the judging, and then a lot of us, like our, myself, that we've done both. You know, go. We went for everything. You know, we went we, uh, for. We've we judge and we have been judged, and so we know that we're, we're in this situation. So we have to kind of analyze our own self, and either we can stay there or we can start making some adjustments and start changing how we deal with things and changing how we address certain things. We know this, and we've been taught well here, that hurt people hurt people. But free people free people. And I I want to be on the latter. And I think that's our heart as a ministry is to be at a place where we could free people. And so what if my response, instead of reacting to someone that is really almost deserves to be reacted to, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? What if instead of reacting to that person, even in the parking lot, because they went first and you didn't go first? Or when you get to go your Christmas shopping, you know, and you're running into uh, the grumpy old lady at the cash register, or man, uh, at the cash register, and, you know, uh, you're, you judge them automatically, and, and that must be a mean person. Instead of doing that, what if you responded with a smile? What if you responded with kindness? So what if we didn't react to certain situations, but we responded with the way that God would want us to respond? Here's another idea. I really challenge you, and I challenge myself, to not pass judgment on. Don't carry past judgments into your future. Don't pass it on to others. And I want to really encourage all of us tonight to break the cycle. I think a lot of us are judging others because we ourselves have been judged. So we ourselves are dealing with judgments that we've been placed upon us. And so we then return and we judge others. And I think for me and for my family, I don't want that cycle. For my kids, I don't want that cycle. For my future grandkids, I don't want that cycle. And so I think for us is we got to begin to break the cycle. We got to begin to do something different. We got to begin to maybe make some adjustments. And, and I, I, I wonder what... The church would look like if we uh, became more and more in love with Jesus. And not only, did we become, not only did we become head smart with the knowledge of who God is, but it went from our the head knowledge into the heart. And we're able to express that to other people. What would the church look like? And I believe that's the kind of heart that God wants for us as a church. Listen to his view, God's view in John chapter 3, verse 17. It says, God sent his son into the world not to do what? Not to judge the world but to save the world through him. He sent his son to save the world. And then what did his son do for us? He told us to go. He told us to go. And so we're God's representatives here on this earth. And as Christians, we should represent God in the fullest place possible. We should value people like Jesus valued. We should respond like like he responded. We should uh, love others Like he loved others. Man, that should be, that should just, that should do something for the inside of us that we should want to represent God on this earth, treat people the way that God would want them to be treated. We should boil it down again that I should, we should love God, and as I love God, that I'm gonna love others. If we judge people, church, we have no time to love them. Let's do what he's called us to do, let's not judge let's not form our opinions, let's not criticize, but let's see people the way that Jesus would see them. Value them, respond, and not react, and let's make some adjustments, and let's be what God wants us to be, and that is the light of the world. Amen? Amen. Did you guys get anything out of that tonight? Thank you so much for letting me share with you.